Welcome to this episode of the Safety Cast. My name is Shalini Nagpal and I'm a Senior Inspector with the Construction Services Group with SafeWork New South Wales. Back in March 2021, SafeWork New South Wales ran a safety cast on solar safety and discussed the key work health and safety considerations when installing rooftop solar panels. Since then, SafeWork New South Wales inspectors have undertaken a proactive blitz, visiting a total of 286 sites between the 1st of March and the 31st of December 2021, where rooftop solar panels were being installed. During these visits, our inspectors completed a safety checklist and spoke with site supervisors and workers about how to work safely when installing solar. Unfortunately, inspectors observed an unacceptable level of unsafe work when it came to falls from heights risk, issuing 98 improvement notices, 128 prohibition or otherwise known as stop work notices, and 39 penalties totaling $123,984. Not surprisingly, a findings report which SafeWork New South Wales conducted found that the primary work health and safety risks associated with rooftop solar installation included falls from heights, contact with electricity, falling objects, for example, solar panels, asbestos exposure and musculoskeletal injuries. During today's safety cast, we're going to discuss some of the findings from the Safe Rooftop Solar Installation 2021 findings report for the period 1st of March to 31st December 2021. This findings report is publicly available on the Safe Work New South Wales website. At the end, we will share where you can find some easy to use tools and resources developed specifically to help industry improve its bottom line, starting with worker health and safety. So I'd like to welcome Michael Tilden, Assistant State Inspector with our construction team based in the Hunter Mid-North Coast region to today's episode. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Shalini, for having me here today. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for travelling into Sydney from Newcastle today. I hope you enjoyed the drive. The drive down was uh, lovely, thank you. Great. So I imagine it's been a very busy 12 to 18 months for you and the team. Before we kick off and explore some of the findings of the Safe Rooftop Solar Installation Findings Report that I mentioned, just wanted to see if you could share a little bit about what you and your team have been working on. I can. So over the past uh, 12 to 18 months, uh, our team has been focused on the electrical and falls risks associated with the rooftop solar installation industry. That body of work uh, has included the development of resource material for industry, such as the Guide to Safe Solar Installation, presentations to industry around the obligations of solar installers and also retailers, consultation with industry uh, associations, Mm -hmm. and a a number of uh, compliance visits uh, focused on uh, those key areas being falls and electrical risks. Fantastic. It's been very busy. It has been. So I recall you were our guest speaker back in March 2021 when we did a safety cast on solar safety before you led the proactive solar safety construction blitz. So I'm really keen to know your thoughts in terms of where we started at the beginning of the blitz and what we thought we knew about the solar industry versus what we actually know now. Are you surprised by the findings? So the findings were quite alarming, uh, in particular around the the harness-based work, but also the use of no controls around fall from heights risks. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, which we can speak to uh, a little bit later during the uh, discussion, but I had a matter that I actually dealt with on the way down to Sydney today. Oh, wow. Okay. I I can talk to that sort of in relation to those controls. Mm. On a positive note, though, I think we have come a long way in the last 18 months. Uh, We are certainly starting to see the uptake in the higher 
level of control, so in particular around falls and electrical risk. So that is really positive. Yes. But we certainly have a lot of uh, a lot of work still to do to secure compliance in that space. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So look, as we know, solar panel installations have been in steady demand over the past number of years due to a push for clean and renewable energy. I recently read on the Cleaner Energy Council's website that nationally there were 389,577 rooftop solar installations in 2021, being the second year in a row that the sector's broken the record for new installs. The stats indicate that Australia now has 3 million solar homes, equating to approximately one in three Australian households being powered by solar panels. This is quite an incredible number and and what really springs to mind for me is just how many workers out there are actually installing solar panels every day. So with this in mind, the findings report that Safe Work New South Wales commissioned found that of the sites our inspectors visited, 17% of sites did not have a Safe Work method statement for high-risk construction work. And of those sites that had a Safe Work method statement, 28% actually that their swims were inadequate. Of the sites that had a safe work method statement, 46% were not following the safety controls documented in the safe work method statement. These are really concerning statistics. They are. So while there is a legislative requirement under work health and safety legislation for a person conducting a business or undertaking, also known as a PCBU, to develop a safe work method statement, which is commonly referred to as the SWIMS for high-risk work, how important is it to go through the process of actually developing and consulting on the SWIMS, Michael? Sure, and it's, it's very important and, and plays such an important part in the management of high-risk construction activities. So a SWIMS is required for those activities that are called out in the regulation, in particular two of those, all from heights, two metres and above, mm-hmm. and also electrical risks. The most important part of a SWIM is the consultation and planning process that a business must go through Mm. with their workers to ensure that the swim is prepared to ensure that the high-risk construction activity Mm. has the appropriate levels of controls Mm -hmm. to eliminate or minimise risk associated with the task. And the best way to do that is to consult with the people actually undertaking the activity. Yeah, that's right. What I found quite interesting with the findings report on page three, it talks about falling objects and falls from heights. I'll just mention some of the stats that are available in that findings report. So falling objects, there's 46% of sites that had no exclusion zone established around the work area to prevent the public or others being hit by objects that may fall off the roof, which is really concerning because obviously we're talking about residential areas where you've got families, you've got children, and you've got the general public moving around. So that's really quite key. And in addition to that, some stats around falls from heights, 24% of sites did not have safe access or egress to the roof. 26% of sites did not have the ladder set up safely. For example, the ladder wasn't fixed at the top nor did it extend one metre past the access point. And 47% of sites did not have adequate controls in place to prevent a fall through brittle, fragile roof materials. So just talking to that particular point around 47% of sites not having adequate controls in place to prevent a fall through brittle or fragile roof materials. Could you give us an idea, I suppose, of what controls could look like in that scenario? Absolutely. The real critical factor there is that a competent person assesses that uh, structure or the roof and, and the material itself before uh, workers go to site to determine the most appropriate control. Mm-hmm. So depending on the type of material, so if we talk about box skylights, mm-hmm. uh, a physical cover mm-hmm. should be placed over that. Uh, I've seen boxed covers that are constructed from stainless steel that can actually be temporarily installed on the roof. Okay. If you've got 
sort of polycarbonate roof sheets, uh, walking platforms that that go over the top of that roof sheet, mm -hmm. but also a structural mesh that goes uh, over the top of the roof sheet so that you okay. can't fall through it if, if you do step off the walking platform. Uh, other forms may be uh, removing the sheets and working from underneath from a, a structure such as scaffolding yeah. uh, or the use of an elevated work platform. Okay, great. That's that's really helpful. Thank you, because it just gives us a little bit of an idea of what physical measures could be implemented when working up on the roof. In addition to that as well, the edge of the roof. So something I find quite worrying is that during our previous solar safety blitz, safe work inspectors observed 50% of workers not connected to a harness-based system when this was available to them while they were wearing a harness and up on the roof. This is really concerning as falls from heights remains the number one cause of traumatic fatalities on New South Wales construction sites with the most serious and fatal falls being from roofs, ladders, or non-compliant scaffolds, and from four metres or less. These are very much manageable and avoidable accidents and incidents. Wouldn't you agree, Michael? Shalini, you're absolutely correct there with your last statement. These incidents and also exposure to the risk if an incident hasn't occurred are absolutely manageable. So if we talk about the Work Health and Safety Regulation, a PCBU must ensure they implement the hierarchy of control. So that means before using a harness-based system, they must have exhausted the use of a fall prevention device. So what that means is that they have to go through a, a physical assessment of the site and determine whether edge protection or scaffold is a reasonably practical control. Mm -hmm. Typically speaking, edge protection is almost always reasonably practicable, providing that the site can accommodate it. So the site can physically and the structure can physically accommodate that type mm. of fall prevention device. If the site assessment determines that it can't, then that should be documented. And only then can you move to a harness-based system. Now, if we look at table six in the findings report, where the issues are arising in relation to harness-based system is that multiple anchors aren't being provided to the workers to cover the entire working area. Okay. So to allow them to connect from the ladder access point and traverse the roof safely. And that has to be done prior to getting onto the roof. So progressively installing those anchors as you move to the work area, not walking around the roof unprotected, so not connected to anything, mm -hmm. installing the anchors. Mm -hmm. If workers don't know how to do that, then they must be trained in the appropriate implementation and installation of temporary anchors progressively to ensure that they are protected. And then the second most alarming thing, we found that workers weren't actually connected to the system when they were on the roof. And that was for a number of reasons. Uh, the, the ropes provided weren't long enough. They weren't provided with enough anchors, or they simply hadn't been trained to ensure they knew how to do that. Yeah, and it, it makes sense what you're saying with the first point of moving progressively towards your anchor points as opposed to going about it um, haphazardly. So page five of the findings report talks about electrical safety. It's really great to see that the inspectors in the field observed high compliance rates when working with electricity. As an example, I can talk to 98% of sites that had electrical work being conducted or appropriately supervised by a licensed electrician and 97% of sites which had authorised electrical workers testing for dead to ensure the power was isolated prior to conducting electrical work. Michael, can you tell me a little bit about the key areas of concern with electrical safety during solar installation? Yes, yeah, so we found that consideration wasn't given to service lines or overhead power lines uh, in context of the use of edge protection or the handling of the solar mounting rails themselves. So you must stay four metres away from those structures 
as the code of practice for managing the risks of overhead power lines requires. And if you have to go within that safe approach distance that's specified by the code, then you must make contact with the electrical supply authority and seek their advice and also conduct a risk assessment uh, in relation to how that risk is going to be managed. The other alarming thing was we found that uh, the actual main switch or electrical box uh, was not locked and tagged out, so inadvertent re-energisation of those circuits could occur in the event that someone accesses the box or, or the main switch. Yeah, okay. Um, so the finance report came up with a number of recommendations. What are the key takeaways from the recommendations for our listeners? So some of the key takeaways are really in and around creating that safe access to the roof, so making sure that the ladders are secured uh, appropriately and workers know how to use those. That's Solar retailers also have an obligation under the Work Health and Safety Act. So similar to that of the installer, uh, there's a requirement to provide adequate protection against the risk of a fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that duty is extended to both of those parties and, and both of those parties, the retailer and the installer, are mm-hmm. duty bound to ensure that that obligation is met. So we developed a checklist for retailers, which focuses on really assessing the level of edge protection or fall protection, if you like, that needs to be used on a site, and then how that is actually communicated with the installer, who's actually going to provide that. If it's the installer going to provide it, then the retailer still needs to ensure that Mm. and, and verify that that has been implemented as intended. Some of the other key takeaways as well is the reliance on the use of harnesses for fall protection. So if we do end up using a harness-based system because we haven't been able to implement a higher-order control, that there is adequate planning put into place. There's an anchor plan developed. Workers are implementing that anchor plan before they get onto the roof, so safely from a ladder or a temporary work platform and progressively doing that. Adequate anchors are provided, a number of anchors are provided, mm-hmm. and, and they need to be specific to the actual roof surface, so whether it's colour bond or whether it's tile. And then that adequate supervision is probably the key there yes. yeah. to ensure that workers are remaining connected. They're adjusting their rope. And again, this is why the hierarchy of control is so important, because mm-hmm. if we implement the full prevention device, as we are required to do in accordance with the legislation Mm -hmm. if reasonably practical to do so Mm -hmm. you eliminate that user behaviour and and that level of of risk and that harness-based system being Mm. inadequate. That's really interesting and I I think um, the site visit that you went past this morning on the way coming into Sydney, is that of any relevance here? It it is. Uh, So that site itself, two-storey home, uh, five-metre falls risk Mm. with uh, three workers exposed to that falls risk, up on the roof wearing a harness, no anchors, no anchor points connected to with the static line the answer was that they were able to actually install some edge protection down the bottom and then install multiple anchors across the working surface to protect against that five meter mm. fortress so a combination of controls in in that instance which sometimes may be required yeah. but again you must exhaust all reasonably practical options and install a fault prevention device first and foremost yeah. if you can if you can't then a multiple use so some edge protection maybe mm. on some edges mm-hmm. harness on others 
And then if you can't install it on all edges, then we go to a compliant harness-based system. Great. So what was the outcome of that visit with your intervention today? So prohibition notices were issued to cease the work. Some improvement notices uh, were issued around adequate supervision. Mm -hmm. And then the matter is uh, is still under uh, inquiry in terms of potential monetary penalties being issued or potential legal action. So in terms of... um to an individual and to a person conducting a business or undertaking. I mean, in terms of the penalties, what are we looking at? So 3,600 for the company, Mm -hmm. uh, 720 for an individual. Mm -hmm. And there's also repeated offences against the legislation, a potential legal action, which is disappointing considering we have a $1,000 safety rebate. Edge protection is upwards of around about $4,000. Mm-hmm. You can use it over and over again once you pay for it to provide such a high level of protection yeah. uh, opposed to using a harness-based system. And that matter this morning is a perfect example of the level of behaviour that's required mm-hmm. to implement the system, but also the level of planning and thought yeah. that needs to go into it mm-hmm. with actually providing the right equipment for workers to be able to do that safely. What's really interesting is that the workers that you've seen out on site today undertaking work in an unsafe fashion have not planned and undertaken that forethought there may not have been a safe work method statement and then as an inspector going in we're issuing prohibition notices so they're losing time money and you know impacting the end user of their service so there's so many things there that can be done before we even get to a point of an inspector coming out prohibiting the work stopping the work from progressing and potentially issuing notices And that's just the end point, but we're really looking at worker health and safety. Absolutely. And Shalini, the reality of it is it's probably lucky that Mm. I was able to make the observation because the severity of the risk is Mm. that that fall is going to result in serious injury or death. We know that most of our serious injuries and fatalities occur between two and four metres. And uh, your comment very early on in the safety cast, uh, these risks around falls are manageable. These incidents Mm. can be prevented if we plan for the work, provide the right equipment, Mm -hmm. ensure that it's implemented and Mm. provide training to our workers to ensure they have the skills, knowledge and experience to prevent the incidents from occurring. That's great. And that brings me to my next point. So I understand that Safe Work New South Wales has consulted with a number of government and industry solar um, related bodies to develop guidance material around the safety requirements for accredited installers and retailers. Can you just briefly outline some of the resources that our listeners should look for on the Safe Work website? Absolutely. So we have the guide to safe solar panel installations, which provides a number of examples and practical solutions for managing the risks within industry. That follows a checklist for installers, so what installers need to do on site to manage the risks within industry, but also a safety checklist for retailers and and what the retailer needs to do when they engage a subcontractor Mm. to ensure that they are fulfilling their work health and safety obligations to uh, eliminate and minimise risks to the workers that they're engaging. So I know that... um You've touched on it briefly before, and now we've just obviously mentioned again the safety checklist for solar rooftop installation for retailers, um, and that that talks about the responsibility that retailers have under work health and safety legislation. What I might get you to do is just talk to the key areas that it covers, if that's okay. So it really focuses on that engagement of the installer and planning for the work. So when we're engaging the installer, we need to decide who's providing the edge protection. Is it the retailer as part of every job, or is is the expectation of the installer 
with the retailer providing them adequate information about the site they're going to, how many lineal metres they may need, whether there's any falls through a surface, whether there is any overhead power lines within four metres of the edge protection. Then the next step to that is if it's the expectation of the installer, then the retailer is then still duty bound to verify that they're doing what they say they're going to do. The retailer is also duty bound to ensure that a swims has been prepared or they need to prepare a swims for the high risk construction work. They're duty bound to ensure that that swims is being followed. So the duty doesn't stop and the checklist is really designed around ensuring that ongoing obligation is met to assist the retailer with meeting those obligations from if you think about onboarding the, the subcontractor to verifying that the subcontractor has the right tools to manage their own health and safety. If they don't, who's providing it? And if they do, how are we ensuring that they're doing it? Thank you. In terms of the safety rebate, can you tell us a little bit about some of the eligible items which businesses might consider purchasing and claiming via the Small Business Safety Rebate Program if they're eligible? I might just make a comment. That's obviously where a business has met the requirements where they've accessed a Safe Work New South Wales eligible program for, or, or service and all those details of which are available on our Safe Work website. So some great news for industry is that the Safe Solar Installation Campaign, so the compliance visits that inspectors conduct, will make a business eligible to claim the safety rebate. What that means, if they meet the eligibility criteria, they go out and purchase an eligible safety item. So some of the things might be edge protection, mobile scaffold, mm. ladder brackets, harness based systems in the event that they can't use for prevention device first and foremost. And then Safe Work will reimburse them up to $1,000 to assist with purchasing that safety equipment. That's fantastic, especially with these current times, with interest rate rises and all the other things that are happening in the economy. It's a fantastic help, I'm sure, to many businesses. Agreed. And uh, we have seen a large uptake of solar installation companies uh, purchasing edge protection. And it's fantastic to see that uh, starting to be rolled out more broadly across industry as uh, industry progresses to that higher level of control to to manage balls risks. That's great. So it means the message is getting out there. Absolutely. So I suppose, Michael, where do you from here for the next 12 to 18 months? So as part of our phase two of the Safe Solar Installation Campaign, really promoting the small business rebate to assist the industry with purchasing safety equipment, in particular uh, edge protection and that higher order control. Again, focusing in with zero tolerance for inadequate fall protection. So that's no fall protection whatsoever or using a harness-based system when edge protection should have been implemented first and foremost. Mm-hmm. The focus there is short title penalties, so 3,600 for companies and 720 uh, for individuals. And also that supply chain, so focusing on the retailers uh, to ensure that safety is everyone's responsibility and that those two parties are working collaboratively to ensure the highest level of protection is provided to workers. We've also presented uh, just recently at the uh, Clean Energy Council's conference at Energy X, so I'm sure as the year progresses, there'll be other uh, opportunities mm. to, to provide advice to industry mm. and really enjoying seeing that uptake as industry moves forward. Excellent. So to our listeners, if you'd like to read the findings report or access information and safety checklists for safe solar installation, please head to our website. So it's www.safework.nsw.gov.au and type solar safety resources into the search engine. Alternatively, you can call 13 10 50 for more information. Thanks again so much, Michael. I've really enjoyed having a chat with you today about uh, solar safety and I'm sure that the content of this safety cast is on point and very much relevant 
relevant to industry. Likewise, Shalini, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you need to report an incident or need to speak to someone at SafeWork New South Wales, please phone 13 10 50 or use the Speak Up app. And lastly, please share this production with your industry colleagues and contacts. Thank you.